Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 5, Episode 4. This week we're talking about 1982's The Thing. With Joe. Mac wants the flamethrower. Mac wants the what? That's what he said. Now move. And Sam. I'm going to hide this tape when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. I'm your host, Sam, and with me today is the child to my mech ready. Joe. Oh, I, I, I'm so happy to be Keith David. Dude, two survivors, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, yeah. It's interpretive. This week, <laughs> I have nominated one of my favorite movies of all time, 1982's John Carpenter's The Thing hmm. for the Pantheon of Horror Movies. Now, <laughs> the higher grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick out the one in the bottom's ass. I hate goodbyes. <laughs> So, we will discuss the movie in an hour or so. We will analyze it and grade it and figure out if it needs to be booted out or if one on the list needs to. This is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen the thing, what the f*** is wrong with you? (laughs) It's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn back and then turn (laughs) us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. Now that we've handled this business, let's get to our movie of the week. This week, we're talking about 1982's The Thing, a rated R movie directed by John Carpenter in the movie made for $15 million and brought in 19.6 worldwide. Ooh. Oh, that is nasty. Not horrible, but... (laughs) For a horror movie. Hey, you know... That's horror movie numbers. That's horror movie numbers. Is in the profits. Yes. Is in the uppers. So, starring... Kurt Russell as McReady, Wilford Brimley as Brimley, Brimley, Brimley. sorry, yes. Brimley as Dr. Blair, T.K. Carter as Knowles, David Clennon as Palmer, Keith David as Childs, That's Richard me. Dysart yep. as Dr. Cooper, Copper, sorry, Dr. Copper, <laughs> Charles Hallahan as Vance Norris, Peter Maloney as George Bennings, Richard Massour as Clark, Donald Moffat as Gary. I think I got that right. Sure. Joel Paulus as fucks. <laughs> Thomas G. Waits as Windows. Adrian Barbaro as the voice of the computer. Adrian Barbeau. Mm. Oh, yeah. John Carpenter as the one of the Norwegians in the video footage. <laughs> That's awesome. I had no idea. There you go. <laughs> According to our good people at Rotten Tomatoes, who don't seem to have it right, it is a tomato <laughs> reading of 83%. Yes. 49 fresh views. 10 rotten. The critics on average gave this film a 7.4 out of 10. Harsh for a horror film. They're always harsher on horror films. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's just... Same reason they're harsh on genre films like comic book films and mm-hmm. stuff like that. The audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave this film, is a 3.9 out of 5, with 92 agreeing it's a 3 or higher. Ooh. That's even harder, sure. Yes. <laughs> The critics' consensus reads, grimmer and more terrifying than the 1950s take John Carpenter's The Thing is a tense sci-fi thriller rife with compelling tension and some remarkable makeup effects. Can we say the fly level? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, it's time for Joe to dig into the internet and find out, well, I'm going to read it, but I guess Joe did the digging. Well, I'm going to read it. Oh, you're going to read it. This is oh. my part. Oh, okay. Now now it's time for Joe to dig into the internet and find <laughs> out how this movie was made in a segment we call Inception to Perception. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. All right. John Carpenter was first approached about this project in 1976 by co-producer and friend Stuart Cohen. But Carpenter was mainly an independent film director, and Universal chose the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Toby Hooper, as they already had him under contract. Now, we already did a Toby Hooper movie this year. We did Poltergeist. That's right. Yeah. The same year. This is Poltergeist's year. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They were in Saturn Wars together. Yeah, and E.T., Busy year. Busy, busy, busy. <clears throat> the producers were ultimately unhappy with Hooper and his writing partner, Kim Henkel's concept. And after several 
more p- failed pitches by different writers and attempts to bring on other directors, including John Landis, the project was put on hold. However, the success of Ridley Scott's 1979 science fiction horror film, Alien, helped revitalize the project, at which point Carpenter became loosely attached following success with his influential 1978 slasher film, Halloween. And there's a lot of echoes to Alien in this. It is, uh, you'll see a lot of those, I'll talk about them as we're going through the entire thing. Uh, Carpenter was initially reluctant to join the project, citing his fear of following Hawks' adaptation. He was the director of the 50s one which he felt featured a stylistic approach that would be difficult to surpass, although he considered the film's monster to be unnotable. I watched clips. Yeah. I I haven't actually watched the original The Thing from Another World. Yes. (laughs) I I don't know. I need to watch it, but I've seen the clips, and the alien cracked me up like the guy that ran him (laughs) straight up to him. He's like... (laughs) You don't have to do this. You can love and be one of us. You can come in peace. Oh, 50s dialogue. That's great. <laughs> uh, Carpenter's friend Stuart Cohen suggested that he read the original novella. Carpenter found the creepiness of the imitations conducted by the creature and the questions it raised very interesting. Carpenter and cinematographer Dean Cundy worked first together on Halloween, and The Thing was their first big-budget project for a major film studio. Now, after securing the writer and crew, the project was again stalled when Carpenter nearly quit. Believing that a personal passion passion project of his, El Diablo, was on the verge of being made by EMI Films. But it was all horse wallop and it never happened, so he came back. (laughs) El Diablo. Now, Universal initially set a budget of $10 million for this film, including just $200,000 for creature effects. It's a lot of money which at the time was more than the studio had ever budgeted for a monster movie. Filming was scheduled to be completed within 98 days. Universal's production studios estimated that it would require at least $17 million before marketing and other costs, as the plan involved more set construction, including external sets and a large set piece for the original scripted Death of Bennings, which was estimated to cost $1.5 million alone. They saved money here by using the same installation for the... Swedish group, or Scandinavian group, whatever they were, as they did with the Arctic group. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, as storyboarding and designs were finalized, the crew estimated that they would need at least $750,000 for creature effects. Yes, that's $550,000 more you're begging for a studio in a horror film. Uh, the, the Universal executives agreed to, after seeing the number of workers employed under a button. They were like, ooh, he's making jobs happen. Yes. Cohen, meanwhile, suggested using the destroyed American camp as the ruined Norwegian camp. There it was. Saving a further $250,000. When filming began in August, the thing had a budget of $11.4 million, and the indirect cost brought it to $14 million. I'm going to skip to the end here. The final cost was twelve point four, and overhead costs brought it to fifteen. dollars So they stayed just $5 million within their budget, which is kind of nice for these films. Uh, now my favorite part of the film. Kurt Russell was involved in the production before being cast, helping Carpenter develop his ideas. Russell was the last actor to be cast. (laughs) And I mean, in some senses, he helped produce it. Yeah. He's like sat with John Carpenter and like dished out ideas. And it's not the only Carpenter film he's done. He did Escape to New York. Mm -hmm. He did my favorite Carpenter film, Big Trouble in Little China. (laughs) Love that movie. Um, They're little buddies here. And I love this because this is very much the same... Uh, s- casting as Harrison Ford in Star Wars. He was like the last person cast because he was just reading lines with everybody yep. and they were like, you want to do it? Sure. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> 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 You're not going to get some other kid like Elden Aaron right well, Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Russell was the last actor last actor to be cast in June 1981, by which point second unit filming has already started in Juneau, Alaska. Carpenter had worked with Russell twice before and wanted to keep his options open. Discussions with the studio involved using actors Christopher Walken, Jeff Bridges, or Nick Nolte, who were either unavailable or declined. Oh, my gosh. There's a a thing. (laughs) It's over there. The thing. Somebody get me a flamethrower. Put the the metal to the blood. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's big. (laughs) Torch him. Torch him. (laughs) I'm recording this on a tape recorder. (laughs) In case we don't make it. it I'm going to jam it in my ass. (laughs) So if somebody finds it, at least they'll know. 
And that goes our Christopher Walken right there. Oh, it's so good. I agree, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Okay. Uh, Sam Shepard was also interested, but he was never pursued. Uh, moving on here. Uh, I don't know who Tom Atkins and Jack Thompson are, but they were strong and early contenders for McCready. Uh, they decided to go with Russell. Uh, in part, Carpenter cited the practicality of choosing someone he had found reliable before and who would not balk at the difficult filming conditions, which it's cold. I don't know if it's Exorcist it's, Room cold. Dude, I don't know <laughs> if it's the Revenant cold. Revenant cold. <laughs> but look pretty fucking cold. Yes. I need the warmth of a bear. <laughs> it took Russell about a year to grow his hair and beard out for the role. <laughs> At various points, the producers met with Brian Dennehy, Chris Christopherson, John Hurd, Ed Harris, Tom Berenger, Jack Thompson, Scott Glenn, Fred Ward, Peter Coyote, Tom Atkins, and Tim McIntyre. Some passed on the idea of starring in a monster movie, while Dennehy became the choice to play Copper. Each actor was to be paid $50,000, but after the more established Russell was cast, his salary increased to $400,000. (laughs) (laughs) How to uh, call your shot there. Jeez, I need to get into movies. Damn. You kind of are. You're you're sliding in a little bit here. Mm A little little bit. Good Lord. I know. Uh, (laughs) Gosh. How much is, how much, how much money did The the Rock make for Rampage or Jumanji? How much did he make for The Tooth Fairy? Okay. Take that number and add a zero for The Tooth Fairy. Add two zeros for everything else. Because you figure he's smart enough, a businessman, to be like, I want points on the budget also. So uh, everything else here is all, you know, just talking about who, who, how they got their roles and whatnot. Really not important. Sam, let's start this badass off. You got to read the question, by the way. Oh, I thought you were going to, like, play the trailer or something. No, 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 no. I already played the, the spot oh, right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Three, yeah. Yep. two, yep. Joe, do you remember the first time you saw this? What were your initial feelings after seeing it? Okay. And please bear with me here. This movie really did not have an impact with me as a kid. Uh, I know I've seen it several times throughout my life, but it usually is to remind myself of the movie when talking to people who gush about it. And I have the same uh, relationship with this movie uh, when I talk to other people as I do with Blade Runner when I talk to other people. Uh, it's a movie that has a very, very strong cult following. I'm just not a part of the cult. Okay. And it's one I'm of those. Just, like, I'm interested to see why. I, I want to. Like, I've watched Blade Runner so many times, and I'm like, I'm going to like it this time. I'm going to like it this time. And I don't. And I don't know why. Well, did you read the book? I shouldn't have to read Electric Dreams to get, enjoy a movie. No, I'm talking in the Look, the the I love Blade Runner. Yeah. But do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep is just on a whole different level. Yeah. Well, they did a Amazon uh show on it. <sighs> is it bad? It's not worth it. Okay. You know, th- I think episode the last two episodes are like the best episodes. The Amazon show? Yeah. They're not they're not consecutive. Oh, okay. So they're not No, it's like Black Mirror. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, I like Black Mirror. Like I said, 12 and 13 are the only notable, at least in my opinion. Okay. So, yeah. So, that's my whole thing. with. It. So, when you re- did the thing, I was like, okay, I get to revisit it again. And I wasn't, like, worried about it. I was like, okay, here we go. Let's, let's do the thing, baby. Yep. All right. Sam, how about you? All right. <clears throat> Tell us your history. So, I was, uh, I was maybe six or seven watching TV, and my dad was making dinner. And I flipped on the thing without knowing it. This was this was back in the day when back. they didn't have Comcast, <laughs> and you had to switch through, and you didn't know what was going to be on the next channel. You sound like Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> that night, um, he walked in, and nothing nothing bad was happening. But uh, I think they were just all talking. Um, the thing hadn't popped up yet. My dad just laughed and said, "You need to change it." Uh, I was like. Okay, why? He's like, just just change it. And uh, at night, when I was going to bed, I asked him, like, why couldn't I watch it? And he goes, he just laughed. He goes, the thing is, it's really gross, um, but he loved the movie. And he described it as a bunch of guys trying to survive an alien attack, and the alien turns dogs into monsters, like monsters, and turns them inside out. 
And at this point, the only scary alien movie I'd seen was Predator. So in my mind, the thing was people in a jungle being chased by inside out dogs. I'm I'm intrigued. Make that happen. Maybe Cloverfield five? Uh, oh shit. A few a few years later, uh um, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh a few years later, I'm in the blockbuster and finally my dad says, Okay, you're old enough. I watch it. I was freaked out. Uh things were really gross. Um, but I didn't get it. Okay. Like it was just too over the top for me. Um, my mind just I guess just couldn't comprehend it. I just didn't get it. Um, cover my eyes and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I watched it again five, year later, five years later in high school and loved it. Okay. Loved it. Um, and it remains one of my favorite movies of all time. Now, how old were you when you, f- when you saw it the second time? Do you remember? Like, were you middle school age? When I actually watched it for the first time? Yeah. Yes, I was in middle school. Okay. I was 12 years old, actually. And that's when you weren't really sure about it. That's where I was like... Okay, I watched it. Going, moving on. Okay, but when you got older, and your patience level had grown, you enjoyed it a lot. Because when I, we were kids, I enjoyed we tend to move lot, things fast. But also the vocabulary. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I, I went to a Christian school, and then I was homeschooled. Oh, okay. So the vocabulary there and the little nuances of the characters just didn't sink in at all. Gotcha. Um. So. Yep. Moving on. What is this movie in... <laughs> Moving on. What is your... <laughs> what? Get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> so, what is your summary of this movie in 10 words or less? Go. Okay. Group of dudes suspect each other of being an alien. I get it a nine. Right on. <laughs> Men in Antarctica face alien threat imitating themselves. Eight. Which is funny because taking place in Antarctica, you said earlier that your only concept of an alien was Predator. If you go to Alien versus Predator, the pyramid is under Antarctica. (laughs) No. Oh. A-V-P-V-T. Alien versus Predator (laughs) versus The Thing. It's all in Antarctica. The thing would win. Oh, it wouldn't. Yes, it would. No, it wouldn't. Get a hold of one of those aliens. Oh, yeah, it would. The thing shouldn't have made it at, at 10 minutes into this film. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Go synopsis for. of the movie. Woohoo! Six hours, it'll be 100 below in here. Well, that's suicide. Not for that thing. It wants to freeze now. It's got no way out of here. It just wants to go to sleep in the cold until the rescue team finds it. What can we do? What can we do? Whether we make it or not, we can't let the thing freeze again. Maybe we'll just warm things up a little around here. We're not getting out of here alive. But neither is that thing. In the opening shot, an alien spaceship flies through space and enter Earth's atmosphere near Antarctica. Whether or not the ship crashes or lands on Earth is unknown. Groovy. <laughs> Dude, I, I still love it. The ship is like, it's not just flying. It's teetering and tottering like a drunk driver. It's, it's, it's clearly something's going awry. Nothing's good on the ship but right now. left and right, like... <laughs> like... Okay, first of all, you wonder for it start. It doesn't. It's not a very good looking shot today. It looks like it was like thrown in like a like at the last minute. Like quick, put this in. Uh, well, you you know clearly where the budget went. But enough is conveyed in the shot that you realize it's going to friggin' crash. Yeah, because you never actually see it crash. But you also don't know what time or how long it's been there. It's been there. Right. You don't know what the time frame of this whatsoever. If you see that, you're like, oh, it's Star Wars. Yeah. It, no. No. <laughs> All right. And then pop in 2011's The Thing. Yes. And start watching now. That's what I tried to do. Yeah. And I stopped myself 20 minutes and I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do this right, I have to do it right. Oh, okay. And watch The Thing as its own. Okay. Well, if you want to find out what happened before. I was going to. I know I said I was going to do that earlier. 
and I chickened well, I kinda, out. I was kind of interested to see what you would do. Well, I chickened out because I didn't want to. It's a different horror. That's a different horror film than this is. Oh, no, for sure. And I didn't want to watch that brand of horror, which for me is scarier, and then go to this and have a tainted look at the horror genre of 1982. Mm. Uh, because today's horror, hey, listen, it's wham, bam, scare, 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 scare. Yeah. This one is you're going to wait in your own skin for a little bit. If it's your own skin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, so the opening shot in Antarctica. Well, sorry. Back on Earth in Antarctica. Antarctica. (laughs) The winter months of 1982, a helicopter flies hurriedly after a husky. Poor dog. The man, that is one thing about this movie, is the treatment of dogs, but could be much worse. They needed to go down. They had the damn thing in them. No, I know that, but... Regardless. All right. The man riding in the next pilot, next to the pilot, shoots a rifle and drops a grenade, hoping to kill the dog. This guy's a shitty shot. The runs toward. (laughs) If you're going to make me read this, at least make it reread it. It runs toward an American research base. The dog. It does. Okay. No, I'm just trying to figure this out. The dog runs toward an American research base, Outpost 31, where a 12-man research crew is getting ready for an upcoming winter. The helicopter, which they see is from a Norwegian research base, flies in and lands. The Americans watch puzzled as two men that emerge from the helicopter speak frantically in their native language. Funny thing, if you speak Norwegian, you've just been spoiled in this movie. Because uh, they actually say, okay. stay away from it. It's imitating a dog. Brilliant. <laughs> if you speak need, Norwegian, Guinness, guys. spoilered. <laughs> I need the Guinness uh, beer, guys. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> One of them pulls the pin on a grenade, but clumsily throws it behind him. It's Hey, it's cold. It's cold out there. He's Your hands mittens. are numb. Exactly. As he frantically tries... He's got no grip. He's just wearing mittens. <laughs> One of them pull. So. <laughs> well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. <laughs> As he <laughs> frantically tries to find it in the snow, it explodes. <laughs> Another stop. <laughs> when it explodes, there is this <laughs> ragdoll that just shoots yes! out. Yes! <laughs> and it is so funny. <laughs> That was not the one of the special effects budget right there. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, woo! Kills him, and it takes the helicopter with it. The pilot, named Mateus, in the prequel, starring Elizabeth Mary Weinstead. Oh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. Oh. Gosh, you're an upbeat lady. <laughs> She's Louise. <laughs> is shooting his rifle hysterically and take, talking frantically. No one can understand what he is saying, and the man shoots Bennings in the left leg. The camp leader, Gary, smashes a window and shoots and kills the gibbering man in defense. Now, let me just first off say, these guys are awful shots, because this is pretty high snow. The dog is going to make a straight line. It's not going to go back and forth like a crocodile. They keep spinning this damn thing around. They're also scientists. But we don't know that. True that. We see a, 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 a helicopter that, with a guy hanging out with a gun, you think military, perhaps. And then you get the grenades in his hand, and he Luke Skywalker's it from The Last Jedi and tosses it behind him on accident. <laughs> Puzzled about why the Norwegians were trying to kill the dog, McReady, the team's helicopter pilot, their doctor, Copper and Norris, go to investigate the Norwegian base. The whole base has been gutted by an apparent fire and explosions that are the holes in the... As there are holes in several of the walls in the interior of the complex. (laughs) Let's try this. How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? (laughs) Yo! (laughs) Yo. Thanks, Joe. Don't uh, (laughs) ever, ever, ever call me stupid. Okay. The whole base has been gutted by apparent fires and explosions as there are holes in several of the walls in the interior of the complex. There's also a fire axe stuck in one of the walls. Everyone is dead. One of them had barricaded himself in the radio room and is still frozen in the chair. His wrist, throat, slit in an apparent suicide. This looks pretty cool. Oh, it's gnarly. It looks pretty cool. Like I'm like, wow, they... 
they didn't really shy away from what this was supposed to look like. No. <laughs> There's huge, no Jaws there's a, there's element of... huge gap. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's wonderful. It looks like the OJ crime scene. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Mac and Copper explore further, finding a large and empty block of ice outside in the snow, which I love that scene in the prequel. What? When the oh. alien jumps out. Yes. Oh, that's great. Let's see. Explore. Outside in the snow, along with one or two burned human bodies, Mac and Copper find the burnt and frozen corpse of a twisted creature. Not man, but not beast either. Hmm. They bring it back to their own base for an autopsy, but that muddles up in the mystery. You know, funny thing about those two burned bodies, you know who those were? Owen and Baru. Hmm? Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru. <laughs> what, too soon? Oh. <laughs> Hey, what what uh what time are we at the podcast right now? <laughs> Twenty seven minutes. Go f- yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. Keep that going. night, the new the new stray husky is locked in with the sled dogs, and the other dogs soon react with fear. Well, you miss one part. The dog had gone into the pen. No, the dog went into the room with another human. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was playing, so all the guys were hanging out. The one out. from the original It. All the, guys were hanging, <laughs> all the guys were hanging out, playing poker, and the guy who got shot in the leg, yes. the dog brushed up against him, and it scared him and said, lock that damn mud up. Mm-hmm. Next scene, the dog's walking around in the halls, and he walks into a room, and there's somebody in there you can tell by his shadow, and then the shadow turns to face the dog, Fade out. Yeah, you don't know who the shadow is. You don't is. know who the shadow is. You don't know what happened. Nope. Bestiality. Yes. Soon react. Okay, so dog is locked up. The other dogs soon react with fear to the new addition, growling and snarling. The new dog suddenly transforms into a hideous creature with tentacles, crab legs, and starts attacking the other dogs. Security breach. <laughs> so nonchalant. <laughs> Security breach. <laughs> No big deal. Security breach. <laughs> the scene is discovered by Clark, who tends to the dogs, and he watches horrified. Mac hears the sounds of the thing's unworldly groan, and he immediately responds by sounding the fire alarm, waking up the entire camp who converge on the dog kennel, where they see the hideous dog-like creature seemingly consuming the other sled dogs. I'll be honest with you. Of the, of the scenes in this movie, this one is the one that bothered me the most, I think. Okay. Because if I saw that, I wouldn't just be going, what are we going to do? What do you want to do? But I'd be like, get me the... Let, I'd be screaming, yelling. I'd be... I'm not like, let's investigate and see what it is. Let's discover what this thing is. No. I wouldn't say they did that. They were not in panic mode whatsoever in this scene. They didn't know what the hell it was. That's why you should be panicking. This you're you found something that's excuse me. That you found something that is unknown. That you're, has just killed they're, your they're dogs. Signs, they're, okay, but problem is hasn't killed all the dogs yet. Enough of them. Enough of them. It's killed a dog. Okay, Let's but this that. is a research base. You don't just shoot everything that you find. Uh that no. <laughs> You do. That, you, you, uh, you do. Uh, yeah. You, you, you make an exception. <laughs> okay? So, this all seems horrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but sure enough, they come back. McCready says, get a flamethrower. Get a flamethrower. <laughs> yes. Why? After shooting it with their guns, which they fucking unload on that. Yeah, they do. The thing is killed by a flamethrower. Note, fire is apparently the only effective weapon against the alien creature, which can hurt it as well as kill it. Also the same as Ridley Scott's alien. Mm. Mm. Until you get to Alien 2. It's a lot of bullets. I love the sound of those guns. Yes. (laughs) An autopsy on the thing's remains reveals the secret. The thing is an alien organism that is imitating other life forms by attacking and either digesting or dissolving them and reshaping its image to appear in the animal or person it kills. And I love the doctor in this, because he's sitting there, he's got his hands in time, he goes, 
Well, you're going to love this. It's got human. It, there's human in there. And, you know, so that's interesting. <laughs> Some bewilderment would be great. <laughs> he was grossed out. Well, it was disgusting. This movie is arguably one of the more disgusting movies I've seen. <laughs> I felt sick at times in this when I didn't feel it the way in the fly. Oh, no. This movie's definitely, especially 1982. Yeah. It is over the top. Yeah. This is a Carpenter visual fest. You lost your place. <laughs> I clicked it and then it shot right back up. Oh. You're, um, at, you're at an autopsy on the thing's remains. Okay. An autopsy on the thing's remains reveals its secret. I already read that. Oh, yeah. Okay. The following, the following day. day. The following day. Following day. The following day. McReady. Wake up, Daddy Show. <laughs> the following day. Oh, hail the king, baby. The following day, McReady flies with Palmer and Norris to the crash site where the Norwegians found the UFO. Yes, spoiler, it is a UFO. <laughs> Just nonchalant. There you go. It is a UFO. <laughs> After watching a videotape of the discovery of something buried under the ice. And the Norwegians using thermal charges to melt the ice on the spaceship. They find the alien spacecraft in the open crater and haul themselves down to look around. Mac asks Norris how long the ship has been entombed. Norris estimates that it's been around at least 100,000 years. That's a long-ass time. 100,000 space bucks? <laughs> A hundred thousand space bucks. What do you need with seventy five hundred space bucks? <laughs> Up near the crash site, they find a block of ice cap missing where the thing was discovered and chopped out of the ice by the Norwegians. Back at outpost thirty one, Mac theorizes that the Norwegians awakened the creature and it immediately began to attack them. Now, what I'm liking so far is how they tied the prequel later on. To all of these scenes. It's done really well. And it's why at the end I'm going to posit that we do something. Okay. Because it could change my grade of this film. Okay. And that, that is, we need to do the thing, the new one, and turn this into a, a full, like, you have to watch both movies as one movie. Because I think it elevates this film. Uh because it, I, I, there's something about it being a whole story. Then it's like this is like watching Kill Bill Volume Two, but you didn't see Kill Bill Volume One. That's a stretch. But I see what you're doing. I yeah, see you, where you understand you're going. what I'm saying. I see where you're going. Okay, it's okay. How about this? It's like watching the Star Wars original trilogy, but you it's missed like, the prequels. It's like watching Episode Eight. Oh, don't. But no. not oh. watching episodes, or it's like watching Episode Nine, but not watching it. Well, no, that'd probably be a better. Just a bit outside. <laughs> Just a bit outside. <laughs> but I think it's I think it should be one continuous story. Okay. Yeah. Because it, it does pick up like boom. It oh. is a, it is abrupt in its start as the oh. fly is. <laughs> yes. It's wonderful. Yeah. The team decides to place the creature's remains in a storage room. The assistant biologist fucks asks <laughs> to fukes. Fuchs. <laughs> I know it is, but I don't care. All you're doing is giving me more work tomorrow. <laughs> Look, I don't have my glasses on. It's blurry. It looks like a K. Sorry about you. Fuchs. Fuchs. Asked to speak <laughs> privately with Mac. He tells Mac that he's been looking through the biologist Blair's notes and found that Blair believes the organism's cells are still alive and active. What the hell? Blair has also theorized that the alien might have... Blair has also theorized that the alien might have imitated a thousand other life forms across space. Indeed, you are powerful, as the Emperor has foreseen. <laughs> no matter what, whenever Darth Vader's speaking, I just put my hand up. That evening, Blair studies cells from this thing and watches them attack and replicate other kinds of cells on his computer. Typing his report into his computer... The computer replies, the possibility that one or more team members may be affected by the alien organism is 75%. Thanks, D3PO. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it Poe Dameron said? About, it's like, I don't need one. It, Shut the hell up. One. <laughs> one. <laughs> A million four hundred seventy-five thousand. I don't care about the odds, 3PO. <laughs> to one. Yeah, that's what it. Oh, boy. 
And that if the alien reached civilization, the Earth's population will be infected and taken over by the alien organism exactly 27,000 hours around 37 months. Not too long. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. You tell him. While Windows and Bennings prepare the room to store the remains recovered from the Norwegian base, it begins to move under the blanket. It's been covered with. (laughs) Windows return to the room to find Bennings being attacked, wrapped in tentacles. Windows gets into the other team members, but Bennings has vanished. Running out the back door, they find him in the snow, kneeled, cold, whimpering. (laughs) His transformation by the alien nearly complete except for his hands. I love this scene. It's pretty cool. So much. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Oh, my gosh which are hideously large and grotesque shapes. Mac and the team incinerate him alive after he turns opening his mouth and letting out this primordial (laughs) thing of a roar, scream, and buries his charred body in the snow. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. (laughs) Realizing that something like this could take over the world if it got out, Blair kills the surviving sled dogs and destroys the helicopter and the communications equipment, injuring windows in the process. Trapping the crew without hope of rescue, the others, seeing him as a threat, lock him into the camp's tool shed and sedate him. There are no more shenanigans. <laughs> the next morning, fear and paranoia circulates around the camp as nobody knows who may, have, who may be the thing or who isn't. Yeah. When blood plasma in the storage room is found to be tampered with... <gasps> which is a scientific test that could have been used to find out who or who isn't human. Gary and two others, Dr. Cooper and Clark, become suspects because of their access to the storage room. You blew it! (laughs) You had one job! I'm loving the soundboard. As a result, they are quarantined by McGrady, who takes over as the de facto leader of the team to find out who may be the thing. I love how the pilot. Yes. The guy who has nothing to do with <laughs> any research or the base. He was in his own zone, in his own room, in his playing, own place. Playing chess <laughs> with a cheating bitch of a computer. <laughs> Wonderful scene, by the way. Yeah. Ruins his computer over a chess game. <laughs> what are you talking about? Ruins a chess game. Ruins some fine scotch. Uh, some fine scotch. In the, the scotch is probably more expensive than the computer. Probably. <laughs> When a whiteout storm, an Arctic storm resembling a white hurricane, hits the camp, they are forced to hunker down, all them paranoid and distrustful of one another, with no escape. Yes. The following evening, Fuchs, (laughs) trying to do research. Man, I'm trying to hold out on that one. I know. Fuchs, (laughs) trying to do research on how the thing can reproduce and multiply, is waylaid when one of the unseen persons infected disables the power to the lab. In going after it, Fuchs is killed off camera, mm-hmm. and his body is found outside in the snow a few hours later by Mac, Nalls, and the windows. Yes. XP or um, 2000. Vista? Vista. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Either the thing burned Fuchs to the death, or Fuchs burned himself in a sudden suicide to prevent himself from being taken over. Who knows? Who knows? Don't blame him either way. Mm-mm. Mac tells Windows to return to the main building while he goes to Nalls to his shack and investigate. When he left two days before, he turned out the lights and they're back on. Groovy. Groovy. <laughs> hey, she bitch. Hey. <laughs> Come get some. Don't touch that, please. Your primitive intellect wouldn't understand alloys and compositions and things with molecular structures in the... Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime later, Nalls returns to the camp nearly collapsing because of the cold. He tells the others he's found clothing with Mac's name on it in a droil drum... Or on a oil drum near McReady's shack. As they were struggling back to the main compound, Nalls cut Mac's safety line and made a break for it. Dick. Fucking dick move. <laughs> Mac is locked outside and breaks the window into another storeroom to enter. He arms himself with a small bundle of dynamite and threatens to blow himself up and the rest of them if they don't back away. When Childs and other rebel... And the others rebel. When Childs... Sorry, I'm thinking of Star Wars Rebel. I... Ah! Oh! <laughs> 
You need to tell me how the season finale ends, by the way. Oh, by the way, it's pretty good. This season's amazing. I need to just watch it. It's not on Netflix. I haven't. I just I want to do it all the way through. Okay. Yeah. Summertime. Ooh. <laughs> when Childs and the other rebel against McGready and to express their suspicion that he may be the thing, Norris collapses when he appears to have a heart attack. That's one thing I love about this movie. You really don't know who. And no. Even when guessing, you never know. I guess it would be easy to figure out if you're in the situation. You just all stay in the same damn room, and eventually you'll fucking figure it out. <laughs> but you say something later on, which we'll get to, which is this movie is a very much a part of its time in that this was a time when horror movies split everybody up. Yes. Yeah. Norris collapses when he appears to have a heart attack. When Dr. Copper tries to revive Usanta fibrillator paddles, Love this scene. <laughs> Norris's chest suddenly opens up into a monstrous mouth and bites off Copper's ha- arms. <laughs> McGrady uses a flamethrower to destroy the Norris slash thing, leaving only its head, which sprouted spider legs. No thanks. And tries to crawl away before it is destroyed as well. You look like a blueberry. This, is, <laughs> this isn't just the head popped off. This is the effect. I don't know how. Like, half the shit that happens in this movie... Remote control? I don't know. (laughs) But even then, like, I guess there's a a pole that extends and stretches elastic skin. It was messed up. But, it like, how many times did it take to get the tears just right? Yeah, it it, it is a treat to how seamless it is. Because there's only one or two cuts from him to that spot right there. And if if you blink, you miss it. It's, it's that was the most extraordinary thing I have seen in my entire life. <laughs> As said by Sam. <laughs> At this point, McGrady leads the others in a test to determine who is infected. He suggests that everyone gives a blood sample, and then those blood samples will be poked with a hot piece of wire. The theory is that each part of the thing will try to survive independently, and therefore the blood will transform to defend itself. This is a cool scene. It is. And the way they describe it, when a man bleeds, it's just flesh. Yes. But when the thing bleeds, it is a creature, and it will try to survive. Yeah. (laughs) So... This all seems horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Clark makes another attempt at McGready's life. He is shot and killed. Dude, that dude's shot in the fucking head. Security breach. Security <laughs> breach. What is that from? Iron Man. I oh, know it's from Avengers. Avengers. Oh, yeah. Security yeah. breach. <laughs> Everyone is tied up, including the dead Dr. Car- Clark. Let me just start that over. <laughs> that man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice. But we did. <laughs> That's my favorite scene in the entire movie. Clark makes another attempt on McReady's life. He is shot and killed in the fucking head. <laughs> Everyone is tied up. By, We're just dropping fucks by, now. Hey, by force. <laughs> this is an intense movie. This yes, is an it intense is. Scene. This is an intense scene. You have Childs defying the maid leader saying, oh, no, you're not going to tie me up. Yeah. Dirty Harry, you feeling lucky? Come on. So, Windows is the first to be tested and turns out to be human. McReady arms himself with a flamethrower to the torch. Anyone who might be the thing. As McReady continues the test, testing the dead bodies of Clark and Copper, whom are not infected, he openly accuses Gary of being a duplicate. He tests the test on himself. Turns out, McReady is human. Hey! <laughs> I need to just put my finger. Am on I right or am I right or am I right? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Palmer, okay. Blah, 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 here we go. Here we go. You what the French call les incompetents. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Thank you for making fun of my dyslexia. Self-diagnosed. Oh, you know what? You know what? Hello, Mister Fancy. As McGrady continues the test. Testing the dead bodies of Clark and Copper, whom are not infected. He openly accuses Gary of being a duplicate, but instead finds that Palmer is a thing clone all along. Groovy. 
as Palmer transforms McReady's flamethrower, misfires, and Windows hesitates to kill the Palmer thing, which proves to be fatal mistake as Palmer's thing's entire head splits open into a giant mouth. What? And consumes him. Holy shit! <laughs> places his entire head in the jaws, and it's a bloody, gory mess. Num num. <laughs> McReady manages to get his flamethrower working and sets the Palmer thing on fire, which crashes through the wall to die in the snow. McReady is then forced to torch windows in the other flamethrower since he is now infected and the thing is coming back through him. Awesome. McReady and the three remaining survivors, Childs, Gary, and Nalls, 12 down to four, yep. are revealed to be not infected. While ordering Childs to stay behind to watch the camp, McReady, Gary, Nala, sorry, and Nalls go to check on Blair to give him the blood test and discover the shed empty, save for a spacecraft Blair had been building under the shed. What? Smart motherfucker. <laughs> oh, what did it? What did McReady say? Down Watch on? out for that first step. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. <laughs> when the power in the whole compound turns off, the survivors discuss. The survivors discover that Blair is the last thing creature and he must be stopped. Finally realizing how pervasive the infection is and that there is a little chance of survival, it is proposed that they blow up the base so the thing can't get to the rest of the world. Childs runs off and McReady, Nalls, and Gary set fire to the complex with dynamite to prevent the thing from freezing itself again. This is so nuts. I mean, listen... Listen to what you're saying. It's paranoid delusion. It's really sad. It's pathetic. Into a slumber (laughs) for the next team to awaken it. Dun, dun, dun. And venturing down into the basement of the camp to set TNT charges, Gary is killed by the infected Blair, which, once again, very gnarly scene. Yes. Yes. Very gnarly. Reminds me of Beetlejuice. When he puts his finger yes, in his mouth. Yes, yes, yes. Yep, it's wonderful. Oh. Nulls disappears and is never seen again. Then McReady comes face to face with a huge tentacle Blair thing. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. La, 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 <laughs> la. <laughs> Which destroys his detonator. So instead, McReady throws a lighted stick of dynamite at it. Both the thing and the building explode, but McReady survives. So somebody can throw an explosive forward in this movie. For once. <laughs> As opposed to backwards, like a helicopter. <laughs> hey, he doesn't have mittens on. He wasn't wearing mittens. You're right. He was not wearing mittens. There we go. <laughs> That's the key, man. Key to survival. He stumbles to the, back to the ruined shack to find Childs there. It's kind of opposite. Childs comes in after McReady is tired and cold and... Weary. Whimpering. Whimpering. Soft, warm. (laughs) Flowing hair. Go ahead and run. Run home and cry to mama. Neither of them know whether the other is the thing, and they both sit ready to kill the other at the first sign. McReady is definitely not the thing, but how do we know? But there's a strong possibility the child might have been taken over, and he wandered off earlier. They take swigs of the bottle of whiskey as the camera shows a wide shot of the camp in flames. Both men, exhausted and wary of each other, sit among the burning wreckage, piano playing in the background, waiting for the fires to go out and winter weather to consume them. On that dark note, <laughs> and with a wiry laugh from McReady, the thing comes to a close. <laughs> Well, it's time for Did the Awards Get It Right? Well, it wasn't nominated for any Academy Awards. (laughs) It wasn't nominated for any Golden Globes because guess what? They hate horror films in 1982. Uh, It was nominated for two Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Film, the Saturn Awards. It was nominated for Best Horror Film. Now, Poltergeist won, but it was up against Death Trap, Creepshow, Swamp Thing, and, of course, The Thing. That's a tough year. It's a tough year. I think the two that are on the top are Poltergeist and The Thing. 
Poltergeist was more mainstream. I think they gave it to that for that reason. Uh, <clears throat> best special effects went to E.T., the extraterrestrial, but Forbidden World, Blade Runner, the Dark Crystal, and the Thing were up. I will say this. They definitely got this wrong. Oh, for sure. Who do you think should have won? Honestly, honestly, honestly. Dark Crystal. I do, too. Dark Crystal I all was the so way. Gonna, damn it. I thought you were say Blade Runner. I was like, no, Dark Crystal. <laughs> Which, by the way, that movie's coming back in theaters. I don't know if you knew that. Dark Crystal? Yes. You know they're making a Netflix show. Oh, right? oh trust me. Trust me. <laughs> Dark Crystal I, see, is a find. <laughs> so, just like you, yes. I agree. There are two types of people in the world. There's a labyrinth and a dark crystal. Oh, I agree. I am very much dark crystal. Same here. I have it, it on DVD. far superior. Yes, it is. In every single way possible, except for David Bowie's bulge. That's about it. And you can't beat the bulge. <laughs> it's, it's there. It's, it's, it's there for it's everyone to see. It's impossible to see. Inches from a baby's face. <laughs> oh, God. Times. Oh, God. What did you do with the Razzie Awards? Okay. This is the first time I've added the Razzies on here because... I don't... This for how bad a movie is? Yes. That's hurtful. This was nominated for Worst Soundtrack. It was up against the pirate movie, Butterfly, Death Wish 2, Monsignor. And let me go. Ennio Morricone right there is on there twice. I love how John Williams is on this. I know. He's got a Razzie nomination. <laughs> I just think it's funny that it, and I think I'm going to add, if there's any Razzies for our movies, we're throwing them on here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, by the way, if you get a chance to, please watch on YouTube. Halle Berry accepting the Razzie for Worst Actress for Catwoman. <laughs> yes. It uh. is hysterical. Oh, I can't And wait. the other one is Sandra Bullock winning for... Miss Congeniality? Yes. <laughs> She's, hers is hysterical also. Oh, when when wait. the celebrities show up, they give the best speeches. <laughs> but right. like, I think Halle Berry at one point said something to the effect of, I want to thank my agent for finding this piece of shit film for me! <laughs> <laughs> now, in the year 2018... What do you think after watching this movie? Oh, how about I turn off the music? There we go. Oh, it's wonderful, though. Right, it was majestic. I recognize this movie's importance in science fiction horror. I appreciate the film that it is. It, for, my, for my personal taste, it's a little blah for me. And I imagine I probably feel the same way about this movie as you did about Poltergeist. Because remember... Uh, I didn't like it until I was in high school. No, but I mean... At watching it as an adult. Like, when we reviewed Poltergeist, you were kind of like, oh, oh okay. you know, I was kind of yeah. like, mm, not, okay. not so much into it. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie that if I had seen it when I was in middle school, I bet I would have the same things you do. Mm. And I think that's just... And I've watched it so many times. Again, I think it's the Blade Runner for me. It's the Blade Runner of horror films for me, I think. Oh, man. I, I know. It's weird. Damn. I, don't worry. I'm giving this a fair grade. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Sam, what about you? To me, this movie is pretty much a masterpiece. <laughs> much like The Shining, The Exorcist, Night of the Living Dead, Alien, etc. From beginning to end, this movie is near perfection to me for a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And not so much the jump scares, but the skin-crawling idea of, are my friends aliens or am I an alien? I don't know. An alien movie that's not an alien movie, much like 2001's A Spadis Odyssey. Now, before you give me the eyes, let me explain. I'm not giving you the eyes. They don't know that. Oh, they don't. Before they don't. you give them the ears. Yes, they don't know that. Let me explain. 2001 is a masterpiece of film. It is unbelievable work of art. Now, the thing is not in the same ballpark, but it's in the same sport. 2001 a Space Odyssey is not a space exploration movie. It's a movie about finding God. The Thing is not an alien movie. The Thing is a movie, and horror movie, about paranoia and the frailty of the human mind, but made scary by an alien entity so unknown to them that it doesn't even have a name. It's just called The Thing. Because it morphs and it takes the shape of some Something. undescribable form. The men at Outpost 31 are not on base long enough for a cabin fear to be set in and warp the mind. It is a real fear of threat and unknowing that if the alien is actually themselves or the friend that they share, it's terrifying. 
Ready for me to throw your brain through a loop? Sure. What if this is, is Cabin Fever and the alien, the thing, never actually existed? Nah. I'm just... It's a metaphor. True. They could all be could turning be, at each other. Possible. Yeah. Guys, go check out the, the dogs. One of the dogs has been turned inside out. What the hell happened here? I don't know. That, I mean, then it could be stemmed from paranoia as well. Maybe. How is anybody supposed to know that? I don't know, Sam. That was not me. <laughs> That's fucked up, Joe. No, Boba Fett's iconic. I feel like a puppet now. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop. I'm glad I didn't say I feel like I have somebody's hand up my ass. You do realize you just put that on a cord. <laughs> <sighs> All right. On to our next segment titled the top three, bottom three. This is where we pick up our top things we love or scenes we like in the movie, and then we choose the three things we dislike about the film. Joe's venting time. Let's start with top three. Joe, what is the top three things you liked about this film? Okay, I like the close quarters and remoteness of this story. It puts Very it a, much like Alien. It, I'd say it's very much like Alien, except the alien is inside someone rather than pursuing them. Uh, my number two is the creature's design. I didn't really need it, but it is really cool. Okay, and you know how I feel about spiders. Those legs popped out. I was like, no, stop. Cicada sound. Stop it. Stop it now. But my number one, Kurt Russell is one of the easiest actors to watch on screen. I love his delivery and his acting style. I could watch him do anything. That's why I could sit through Guardians 2. Because even though it's not the better Guardians, when he's on the screen, I'm like, just read me a story. <laughs> you're what you're wonderful. Yeah. And Overboard, one of your favorite films of all time. Oh. Hey, I love Overboard. I don't care. <laughs> Who says? I don't care. Okay, go for it. What's your three? All right. Number three, the cinematography in the audio, I think, is top notch, top of the game. I don't know what it is about like the blue shades from the outdoor lights and the red highlights from flares. Mm-hmm. Just every little bit of this movie, I, it were it's like, it's all. I saw this movie before light. I saw Alien. Yeah. So oh, this you did? was yeah. Okay. This was the first time I'd ever seen like cinematography. I was like, oh my god, everything looks so pretty. Oh my gosh, everything looks so cool. Yeah. And then which leads me into the next, um, top three, the effects in the Alien, still to me hold up this day. Um, you just really, I mean, it really just goes to show how CGI can age compared to practical yes. effects. Well, some, there, are, there are, trust me, there are some of the practical effects that really are aged. Evil Dead. I was talking about strictly, strictly this movie. Oh, this movie. This okay. Movie. Yeah, I got yeah. you. All right. There are some that are like, okay, that's a little, well, that's a little aged, but yeah. sometimes it's very believable. Okay. And it's amazing after what? Well, 82. Yeah. Plus 35 years. Yeah. Um, and then number one is the character themselves, including Kurt Russell. But I love the entire cast, just like an alien. The whole crew is alive to me. I believe it. Their relationships are real. I love the dude that roller skates. I love the guy, the stoner radio guy. Their interactions with each other, just the chemistry there. I believe it. Okay. And I love the characters. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. Now, bottom three. Joe, this is really just one-sided. So you couldn't find anything. I just said one. Some of the effects are dated. Oh, sh- okay. <sighs> like, like I said, hey, this Here movie is near perfect. It's aged very well. Yeah. Well, you did. Listen, this is this is a testament. You nominated this film. Technically, this is one of the, you think this is an A. Yeah. Yeah, so you, I can totally understand why you would have nothing to vent about of this. Okay, for me, my number three, uh, it, this movie for me has so many questions with the opening shot. Uh, it was like watching Empire Strikes Back before Star Wars was made. This movie, I think, needs an establishing movie like the new thing or 20 minutes before the dog arrives at the camp to get to know the group dynamics. Mm. I could have used that for myself, which is why my number two is it was hard at times to get invested in the characters because they spend no time establishing them before the shit hits the fan. It's just, here we go. We're in it. 
And although I really appreciate that, like in The Fly and in this movie, it's like, we're not going to waste any time. Let's just get into the horror here. Uh, it would have been, I would have liked to know something about, something more about some of these guys. Like, is there any friction between these people at all? Because uh, then that could lead to another sense of paranoia of who else do I trust if I don't trust them before this alien's here. And my number one is, for me, this movie has just too many echoes to the original Alien film for me. And that does not mean it is a bad film at all. It's just, it is inspired. And we heard it in the making of. This is inspired by that movie. Not directly, but there's definitely a lot of pieces in this movie where you can sit there going, that's an alien thing, that's an alien thing, but they I did mean, their own twist to it. Really, it's... It's alien on ice. It's, it's alien on ice, yeah. Except the alien's not pursuing you, it's in you. It also comes out of you. Like a mouth? <laughs> out of the chest, the chest burster mouth. Okay, so those are my now Sam. Right. I'm just going I'm just going my bottom your top three. three. What's your number three? Number three. I your number, number two. two can and your number one. Not. <laughs> Who is the audience for this movie? Uh which by the way, valid points, valid argument. Oh, well but who yeah. is the audience for this movie? For me, horror fans who appreciate whodunits. Okay. This is for me, I look at this as a big mystery. Yeah. And there are times when I've watched really this where screwed up game of clue. Where I I try to figure it out along the way. I'm like, okay, I I know who's next. Do they give any s- signal that they're next? And there really isn't any. I mean, they John Carpenter does a really good job of holding back any clues you could have so that you're a part of the paranoia. Mm-hmm. Whereas a movie like Scream will leave you clues here and there, and you'll sit there and when you watch the second, you'll be like, ah, I see it now. Uh, there we go. Okay, Sam, how about you? A sci-fi movie that has plenty of horrific effects and moments with an awesome cast and characters dealing with extreme paranoia. Okay. Fair. Yeah. I agree. All right. All right. Movie report guard time. Do you give this an A, B, C, D, or an F as a total failure? Now, in the horror feature film genre, give us a grade and some comments that defend your grade. Okay. Uh, first off, I'm going to rest you assured here. This movie is making the Pantheon. Sick. Uh, okay. Uh, is this movie a great film or is this movie great nostalgia? Part of the reason why this movie is so good is because the tone it echoes from Scott's alien movie. It is hard to replicate that type of suspense in between horrific scenes, but John Carpenter does a great job mimicking it. Direction wise, I'm hard pressed to find any chinks in the armor here outside of how some of the shots were cut and the breakneck pace at the beginning. This movie starts about as abruptly as The Fly, I said earlier, which is more of an editing issue. Acting-wise, this movie is pretty good, but when, you, when all you have to do is show panic, a range is really not needed. Can't knock it for that because that's what the script called for. So again, so far, I, there's nothing wrong here. It, this is where I have my problem, though. This movie is a mix of Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Alien. Both are great stories. Whoops, I just moved myself over. Both are great stories. Come back over. Uh... Now I lost myself. And although... Oh, yeah. Real. And although I feel like this movie does a great job of trying to merge the ideas, I think it's spending more time trying to horrify you and less time trying to tell a story. For me, I need a balance. I want to be invested in this movie's characters because I know their arcs. I'm hard-pressed to find a character arc that I find appealing. So because that's my only real gripe here, I'm going to go with a solid B. Okay. Uh, sadly, if you want to know what this movie's legacy is, just look at how well-received the prequel was. $27.4 million on a $30 million budget. It is the Blade Runner of horror films. Uh, when you look at it budget-wise, but also in my own appreciation for it. And that I can appreciate what it is, I just don't get it. Yeah. So, there you go. Sam, I, you, I give this you, you have a new grade. <laughs> <laughs> give this an M. For mature audiences? <laughs> <laughs> the Thing. From another penis. This is an M A. For you. This is an A for you. Is an A. This is an absolute A plus. Um, there are no A pluses. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is an A plus. Um, like I said throughout this entire podcast, this movie is near perfect for me. Um, I. It's a situation where yes, you could use a little more character arc and a little character development, but or you could just be thrown into a hurricane of horror and then as soon as you get to the eye it's done okay and then I you hear think you. and then you're waiting for the next round of the hurricane that's going to come through yeah but sam 
Don't worry what's coming around the corner. Let's go into our horror factor. Let's go into those right now. I am worried. <laughs> I hate these damn films. <laughs> go for it. What you... Is this a, oh, hell yes. <laughs> Sometimes, or you've got to be kidding me on the horror factor. Okay. I'm a, you've got to be kidding me on this. Okay. My personal things, but Sam, this is your movie. I'm going to say hell yes, because even sometimes the effects <laughs> still gross me out. Gotcha. All right. It's uh, absolutely wonderful work. Yes. Fan rating. Mm-hmm. Now, let's take our critics' hats off. Do you love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above? What the? F- Joe? Oh, this is your Blade Runner. Yeah, I remember. I'm none of the above. Man. Here's the thing. You don't don't even like it? I watch this movie when people bring it up to me, and I'm like, okay, I need to rewatch it again. Because I always feel like the guy out of the loop. And I'm like, I I need to see it again. And Again, it's a weird thing, man. I don't get it. There's something wrong with my brain, I think. I feel like if it was none of the above, you wouldn't watch it ever again. But that's the thing is I I want – okay, I said this to JC once on a show, and he understood kind of where I was coming from. And that is when I grew up, uh, movies were the way I connected with my parents. It's how I got to know who they were. And so when I meet people that I like and everything, I'm like, oh, these are cool people. And they tell me, oh, this is a cool movie. And I'm like, oh, I never liked that movie. For me, I was just like, that's how I do it. So whenever people mention, I'm like, I like this person. I got to get to know this movie. Mm-hmm. So that's why. Okay. Yeah. Um, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> to the day I die. Yes. Period. Well, that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next week, we're talking about 2011's The Thing, which is actually a prequel to the 1982 The Thing. Email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips sing music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They're included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs> <laughs>